0: Well, good afternoon. It's lovely to see you all. That's okay. We're here for the marriage seminar. Is that right? Brilliant. And then prophetic dance halfway through. No, just marriage. It's okay. It's good to see you all. Uh, my name's Andrew. This is Rosie, my lovely wife. It's Rosie's birthday today, by the way. <laughs> Happy birthday, Rosie. Woo. What What better way to share your birthday with 1,500 people? So, yeah. <laughs> um, Darling, it's, you, it's yours to start.
1: Thanks for that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so welcome to this workshop. We are delighted to be, to be sharing it with our really dear friends Peter and Rosemary. Well, I'm going to introduce them to you very shortly. So um, the whole point about a workshop is it's not about us doing the talking, it's about you doing the hard work. So um, we hope that you've come with a partner or a spouse. If you haven't, that's okay. We're going to be giving you tools that you will need to write down and note and share with your beloved when you get home. We just want to acknowledge that you might feel like you're in a really good place, but you might also feel like you're struggling, you might be hopeful for change, you might just feel like you're really stuck. But wherever you find yourselves, wherever on that spectrum, we're super glad that you're here and we're praying that you will leave after this hour um, encouraged and actually resourced with some really helpful tools that you'll be able to take forward into married
0: life. This is a leaders conference and we all know that leadership is a wonderful privilege but sometimes, occasionally demanding, puts pressures on us and we recognise that that's just how it is. And so we need to take responsibility for our own growth and our own marriage before we try and help other people with theirs. So no one else is going to do that for you. You can't outsource that to anybody else. So well done for being here. Uh, we want to live well, we want to do marriage well, we want to do ministry well and we want to finish well. And we can't take that for granted. It has to have moments of conscious investment and consistent investment if our marriage is going to become everything that God wants it to be.
1: So we want to just introduce ourselves a little bit, uh, and Peter and will introduce themselves in a moment. So we've been married for nearly 26 years. Uh, We have two grown-up daughters who are both at university. Um, A lot of the tools that we're going to be using today and, and teaching you are ones that we encountered on the Love After Marriage course, which we encountered on our sabbatical two years ago. And since then, we've been using the tools on a literally every single day basis. In fact, twice a day. One of the tools that we're going to teach Peter and teach you is a, a twice a day tool. Um, the, lo- the Love After Marriage course started in Bethel Church in Reading by a couple called Barry and Laurie Byrne. They're wonderful. They're slightly eccentric. They're a tremendous lot of fun. Uh, and they had been in the vineyard for very many years before that. Uh, it's a DVD course. It has live teachings and exercises. And there's a book. Did you bring the book? Oh, yeah. There's a book. We can wave the book at you so you can see it. Um, you can buy the book, actually, which has got all the teachings on Amazon or Kindle or various different devices. Um, and for senior pastors, and I think for staff teams, correctly if I'm wrong, we are going to be running a Love After Marriage course in the, in the Vineyard on uh, May the 12th to the 14th, and there are some flyers about that over there. So if you're interested and you'd like to experience it, Peter and Rosemary are going to be teaching um, a Love After Marriage course in Northampton in May, and you would be absolutely warmly welcome to book onto that.
0: Just a heads up then, so Love After Marriage, the book, is a great resource, something you can work through. Rosie and I did the course, and then we actually just went through each chapter, just a bit of sort of evening reading, just had the chance to review and reflect, and you could do that even if you don't go to the course. Lamb is designed for uh, biblical marriage between a man and a woman. Uh, it really focuses on intimacy in three areas, emotional, uh, physical, uh, sexual relationship, and also spiritual, and that's what it's looking at. When we went to the marriage course um, on our sabbatical, we were in a good place. Life was busy, a little bit tired, but we'd been married for 24 years. We loved each other. There weren't any big issues between us, but we wanted to just consciously invest in our story and what God had for our future, and we're really grateful that we did. Uh, I think we quickly realized that any marriage in any point in their story can benefit from conscious investment. And um, That's been our story by taking those moments and times. We've done that through having conversations with people in a different life stage. All the way through our married life, we've sought out people in a different place. When you see qualities, you appreciate. But sometimes a framework for investment, reading a book, chatting with some friends, going on a course, is a really helpful way to get some investment.
1: So I'd want to introduce Peter and Rosemary to you. They are dear friends of ours. They were actually my first vineyard pastors uh, 25 years ago. And uh, I was reflecting... um, when, when we got engaged, uh, Peter and Rosemary gave us a gift, which I think they thought would invest in our marriage for the long haul. And indeed it has. It's been a very, very useful resource. Do you remember what that was, guys? Do you remember what you gave us as an engagement present? I've got
0: no idea. What was it?
1: You gave me Delia Smith's complete cookery course, <laughs> which has been a truly wonderful investment. Andrew has benefited from it. Often.
0: I've not opened the book, I've got to be honest, <laughs> but I've benefited. <laughs> Sorry, uh, but that's just how it is. So, anyway,
2: uh, Peter Pete and R-
1: Rosemary have run, run the LAM course um, in many different vintages, And I think you've done it yourselves about six times, haven't you guys? So they are truly the experts. Come and um, you can have. You're
0: both very welcome. Let's welcome them, shall we? Thank you.
3: thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Hi. Thank you, guys, very much. Um, Rosemary and I married in Aberdeen in 1974 and we uh, lived and worked there in our respective jobs at that time. We have two sons, both of whom have married fabulous women, and we have four grandchildren, whom we love dearly.
3: Yeah, it's wonderful. Um, right, how we got involved in Lamb. really, um, we look upon ourselves as the dinosaurs of the vineyard, to be honest. <laughs> but, cutting it all very short, um, after we'd uh, handed on a church in Aberdeen that we planted in 2006, we were going through a transition. Um, there is no retirement, really, but it was a different stage of life, okay? Yeah. And uh, we'd been married for 42 years at that point, and we realized that we needed some help with our marriage. And um, we came across, we, we kept bumping into people that had done this lamb course, and um, they were just absolutely excited about it. So we found out about it uh, in October 2016, there was that. It was actually in the Winchester Vineyard. We're running a course mm-hmm. uh, um, Nothing Hidden Ministries in Winchester Vineyard. Actually, we're running the course. So we went on that, and it was really, really helpful in the areas of listening and communication. Um, and we came away with a little booklet, as Andrew and Rosie have said, f- full of tools which you get if you do the course. And uh, we've been uh, using those off and on, uh, and some of them every day, uh, since October 2016, and really found it very helpful. Since then, we have helped with lamb courses here in Trent, um, also done some taster days. um, We've run some courses also in the last few years. And each time we've done it, it's quite amazing because the Holy Spirit really speaks to us about our own marriage. Um, And it's really helpful. Uh, And also just to see how he interacts with each and every couple that come along um, and how they really benefit in very deep ways sometimes. So um, we did that course last June for people uh, in the vineyard and again it was it was a really good time and so this is why we want to do it again in May this coming this coming May uh, for senior pastors, leaders um, and maybe even people who uh, you know you're in some capacity of, of leading and you want to develop The ministry of marriage within the church. So you're all very welcome. Um, As an aside, there are some flyers there on the side that you can pick up and that will explain a bit more about it and how to register even.
2: Right. so the goal of this uh, workshop is, as uh, Rosie and Andrew have explained, I won't spend any more time on that, but the point is the enemy hates Christian marriage because it reflects the bond between Christ and his church and the enemy constantly tries to undermine and to destabilize and to put obstacles in our way. One of the reasons the Lamb course is so powerful is that it teaches tools that you, you can use on a daily basis to overcome these obstacles that come against you and also come against your family and your wider relationships. So um, we are going to introduce uh, a couple of tools today and we hope that these hope that you get s- some fun using them as well and that they will strengthen your ability uh, to stand and to overcome and to take courage, as one of the main speakers said this morning, and will empower you to fulfill the plans God has for you. Uh, you have, I think, all been distributed post-its, I see there, and on your way in, and um, do jot down questions on these as we go through this uh, next hour. Um, and then uh, we will uh, be in a position to take questions, um, questions and responses, if not answers. <laughs> you see what I mean? Um, and uh, we'll go for that. So, Rosemary.
3: So, the first tool we're going to talk about is called, in the course, it's called Spirit Blessing. Now, some people call it Daily Blessing, because this is the one we do every day. Well, we do. Yeah. Um and um, so when, I first, when we first came across this, this language, this terminology, I was a little, I'm not sure, just a little disquieted by it. I didn't quite understand it. Um, and I, so, I, so I said to God, could you help me understand what this actually means? Where in the Bible does it talk about our spirits? Um, and, you know, quite, quite quickly, I really sensed him say to me, well, when you said yes to Jesus... Which part of you was actually reborn? Was it your body? Was it your mind? Was it your soul? Was it your spirit? And I thought, well, of course it was my spirit. My spirit was reborn. And then I thought, okay, where in the Bible did it say that? And um, so John chapter 3, Jesus was talking with Nicodemus. And Jesus says, flesh give, gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised by my saying, you must be born again. So then I thought, well, does it say that uh, in any way in the Bible and other places? And um, actually it does, in lots of places. In First Thess- Thessalonians, it says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And even in the Old Testament, here's a good one, particularly for this course. In Malachi chapter 2, it says, So guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith with the wife of your youth. You could put husband in there too, probably. Um, so guard our spirits. Second Timothy, it says, The Lord be with your spirit, grace be with you all. That was Paul. And again, Paul says in Philippians, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Be with your spirit. Amen. So make a study of it. There was a chap in one of the groups we did and um, he was a bit like me. And uh, so he went, he didn't go to church one Sunday because he decided he was going to do a Bible study on this whole topic. And um, so anyway, he came out with the same conclusion. So there you go. You can make a Bible study of it if you want. Peter.
2: So, I mean, we have such a power to bless one another and to set the spiritual climate of uh, our day and uh, this reconnects us with the truth that the Holy Spirit indwells us and wants to lead us and guide us every day so that we function aware of his presence we want to be led by our spirit not by our souls our emotions or even our minds uh, we as good as they all are we need to receive god's revelation direct to our spirit and our wills are not enough either our mind will and emotions are good but they are to undergird the part of us that connects to the Lord. Jesus came to show us it's possible to live as a man and as a woman in an empowered, miraculous life, full of the Holy Spirit. And this spirit blessing, daily blessing, whatever, uh, is definitely the tool that we have used most in the last um, three and a half years since introduced to it. Uh, We have used it every single day for the whole of that time. you know, done it over the phone or even by text, sometimes if we're not together, but that's not often. As a result of using this tool, we've become much more aware of the daily activity of the Holy Spirit in our lives because we're reminding ourselves and each other twice a day that he is working, he is present, and he is wanting to guide us constantly each day to be aware of him and listening to what he wants to say. So it's a wonderful way to build up your spouse and to strengthen your spouse. So do this in the evening before you go to sleep and in the morning before you get into your day. That's the recommendation. Um, Rosemary.
3: Yeah, so um, not exactly sometimes first thing in the morning, but we do every morning we uh, turn to each other and look into each other's eyes. See, that's an interesting thing. How often do we actually spend time looking into each other's eyes? Anyway, it's important, I think, to do that. And um, we say to each other, why don't you... This is, okay. this is what we say to each other. Okay.
2: Rosemary, I call your spirit to attention, to operate in a leadership role over your soul and body. And, Rosemary, I call your spirit into alignment with the purpose of Jesus for your life today.
3: And, you know, it is interesting that sometimes when Peter says that to me, I actually physically feel... It's like, oh... I'm, I'm coming awake. You know, I, it's anyway, it's one of these things, isn't it? And then um, at bedtime, before we go to sleep, um, we say to one another, I'll say this to Peter. It's not bedtime yet. Peter, Peter, I call your spirit to come f- forth. I'd say this every night. I don't really need notes, but just in case I forget it. Peter, I call your spirit to come forth to be prominent over your soul and body mm. so that you might receive all the rest and all the revelation the Holy Spirit wants to bring to you through the night. Mm. He gives to his beloved even as they sleep. Thank you. And the thing is that the couple that do this course, they're really big into dreams, okay? They, they seem to dream every night. I mean, I really don't do that. It's really annoying. Anyway, um, but you know... Go to sleep with anticipation that the Holy Spirit will give you revelation as, you, as you're sleeping. Anyway, what we would like you to do now is to turn to your spouse face to face, look into their eyes. Maybe not say all that because we're not waking up and we're not going to sleep. But just say, I bless your spirit to lead your soul and body. And I bless your spirit to receive everything the Lord has for you. And once you've done that, we've got time, you can go on and you can say things like, um, I bless your spirit with courage. Or I bless your spirit with confidence or peace or rest. Anything that you feel the Holy Spirit is actually saying to you for your spouse at this time. And it is it is a wonderful thing to do. So why don't you do that for the next sort of three minutes or something like that. Um, see what you what you come up with. The Say Lord it. comes up. Again. Okay. It. I bless your spirit to lead your soul and body. I bless your spirit to receive everything the Lord has for you.
1: Okay, we're going to rescue you. You've
0: dried up, we can tell. <laughs>
1: it does feel odd. It, it does feel odd. Um, I would really encourage you to push in on that one. There's actually a super helpful app that you can get on your phone. If you, if you search Nothing Hidden Ministries, you can get the app and then you've got the wording, <laughs> which is really helpful until you learn it. And actually what you'll find is as you get used to doing this blessing in the morning and in the evening... You will be inspired. The Holy Spirit will inspire you to pray all kinds of things. We will always pray that our spirit would lead our soul and body and our spirit would stay connected to the Holy Spirit. But then he will inspire us every day and we'll end up speaking prophetically into the day, into one another, um, both in the morning and in the evening before we go to bed. We found it so helpful and we're so much more aware of what the Holy Spirit's doing At any time of day or night, I think because we're just starting our day and finishing our day aware of his presence and inviting him in. It makes such a difference in our lives that recently, over the summer holidays, I think it was, when both of our daughters were home. Our daughters are 23 and nearly 21. And um, we were, I don't know, we were a bit short with each other one day or a little bit grumpy. Just one day, not very often, just just one one day. day. (laughs) And one of our girls said, Mummy and Daddy, have you done spirit blessing today? Because you're very grumpy and it doesn't look as if you have.
0: We said, "What is to do with you?" each other
1: and we' "All like, oh crumbs <laughs> we've just been caught out, so honestly, it does make that much difference I two years in of of i mean every day we literally have done it every day it, it's it's transformational.
0: Yeah, I think the, the environment that we have is, is very easy to just operate from the realm of our soul or our emotions. You know, I feel a bit ticked off, you've been a bit grumpy, whatever else. And you can feel that way and feel like you're justified in the place you feel. I'm and not actually, grumpy. not that racist that, but, but actually um, uh, we're men to lead from being connected to the Holy Spirit and His Spirit has made us alive to God. And actually that, just the idea of spirit, soul, body, we're holistic, I get that. But actually the, the part of us that's been made alive to God is actually the space that the Holy Spirit wants to interact with and from that space lead. So I just don't let my emotions run the day or set the agenda. I want to let the Holy Spirit partner with my spirit to set the agenda. And so that's part of what's going on. And often we just start there, recognizing we're a spiritual being. God's put life in us and we want to partner with the Holy Spirit. So let that be the space that leadership and decisions happen from. And so that's been a helpful thing. Uh, the other thing is uh, the, uh, the, the whole idea of, um, kind of finishing your day with uh, you know blessing each other. Uh, we just have the lord speak to us more in dreams which has been helpful um you know we know we know the biblical thing about um ephesians 4:26. don't in your anger don't sin don't go to bed while you're angry you d- probably hopefully most of you wouldn't just sit there and be seething with anger and go to bed and just hope it's going to be okay well, you, you certainly wouldn't, wouldn't sleep very well if you, you did. wouldn't exactly um so there's like there's the anger thing there's ambivalent and there's active blessing anger is like we wouldn't do that ambivalent is just your day's been your day my day's been my day get on with life That's just like easy to do that, ambivalent. You just, you've got your thing, I've got my thing. But active blessing is what we're being invited to do. To actually finish each day and start every day consciously stepping into our authority to be a blessing to the one that God has given us to do life with. And so it's not the anger thing, which will probably get our attention if we're ticked off. That's probably enough of a trigger for most couples to go, we can't just ignore this. Ambivalent is that middle ground where just life is busy and you're busy and I'm busy and that's just it.
1: And you know know when you just kind of turn over and you just... You just turn over and you go to sleep. You what, don't actively enter one another's world at that point. What would moment? it look like
0: to move into that space of active blessing, recognising God's given me power with my words, with my life, to bless the one who means most to me? And that's the shift that's been helpful. So it feels a little bit cranky, but go for it, because it actually moves you into that place of being an active blessing, morning and evening, every day, with the person that God's given you to love. Great stuff. Who's next? Oh, it's me. Give me a second. Great stuff. So another thing that we want to mention is a tool that's used here, which is called—it's uh, a horrendous well, it's name. It's called a horrible name. One, two, American three, skidoo. Name. Forget Must that. But just—it's just recognizing sometimes in life things come against us, stuff happens, and actually, the atmosphere of the kingdom is righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. That's what it says in Romans fourteen seventeen. So I function in the kingdom. So righteousness, joy, and peace is meant to be the environment or the atmosphere around my head, my heart, my life. That's what's meant to be the norm for me. So if I'm experiencing other th- anything other than that, then maybe something from a different kingdom's coming against me. If, if the kingdom that God has brought me into is righteousness, joy, and peace, then he wants me to operate from that place where his lordship and his rulership and the rule and reign of God is actually currently being expressed in my head, my heart, my life, my attitude, my marriage. And so if I'm experiencing something that's different to that, stress, anxiety, frustration, despair, hopelessness, that might not just be life, maybe something's coming against me. Maybe there's not just life and pressure, but actually there's a spiritual climate to it. That's often the realm of spiritual warfare happening. We just can feel overwhelmed or anxious or stressed or a bit hopeless or despairing. You know, Anybody feel that way ever? <laughs> Am I just the only person that ever feels that way? That can happen. Now, part of what um, we can do is to learn to discern the spiritual atmospheres that can come against us in the course of a day, or the course of a busy, pressured meeting, or other stuff that could be going on in family life. And just saying, I'm not going to just take that as the norm. I live in the kingdom. What does it actually mean to live in the kingdom? If if righteousness, joy, and peace, I mean, that's just one little verse, is meant to be the climate and the atmosphere the ecosystem under which I live, how is that going to affect me? So when something's coming against me, rather than just going, crikey, it's a bad old day and I feel under it, recognising, do you know what? I'm going to discern and I'm not going to partner with those thoughts. Sometimes a thought can come into your head. Oh, crikey, we're never going to get through this. And then you think, yeah, we're not. It's just overwhelming. And you just go down a little spiral. Sometimes the enemy can plant a thought or a feeling, or just a a spiritual atmosphere that can come on us, and we can just kind of agree with it, and then it takes us down a space or a road that we're not meant to go down. And part of um, recognizing our authority is to recognize the thoughts, take them captive, recognize the feelings or the atmospheres or the spiritual climate, and going, I'm going to recognize that, and I'm going to nail that to the cross, because I'm not going to let that thing set the agenda. I'm not going to come into agreement with it in my heart and my head, and let that take me down a place that God doesn't want me to go. So sometimes stuff seems to be happening, and it's not just stuff, it's not just life. There's maybe an enemy agenda behind it that's trying to rob us to steal, kill, destroy. Why don't you tell us a little story about that, babe? Okay,
1: self-disclosure time. We um, A couple of years ago, uh, our church planted a site, we went multi-site, and that meant that I had to preach every month, once a month. Now, before that, I would have preached maybe twice a year with my arm twisted up behind my back by Andrew. And I would only have preached if I absolutely felt completely passionate about the subject and only if I absolutely had to.
0: With lots of time to prepare.
1: Yes. But with with going multi-site, which is an incredible privilege and a, a total blessing, I have to now preach once a month. And if I'm completely honest, I was dreading it. And, um, and I made my feelings known. And every month... I will say amen to that. Honestly, I look back now and I put my head in my hands and laugh and feel utterly mortified. But every single month I would get out of bed on the morning of the preaching and going, I hate this job. I hate this church. I hate you. I don't want to preach. You're making me do this. I feel awful. I can't do it. I resign. I resign. I'm not going to do this anymore. Like, you can't make me... Uh, This is not an exaggeration. I probably resigned from my role leading the church about 15 times.
0: Usually when you were preaching. Always on the
1: day that I was preaching. (laughs) Or the
0: weekend before. um, It was like a (laughs) build-up. And
1: our daughters were like, Mummy, for goodness sake, get a grip. This is like... (laughs) PMT, pre-ministry tension. (laughs) This is just horrible. And they were my our daughters were like, Mum, can't you see this is the enemy trying to take you off course? You can speak. You you need to do this thing. You're called to do this thing. This is the enemy. To which I was saying, it's not the enemy, it's your father. (laughs) And it honestly happened every month. And so when we were at the, the marriage course, the lamb course. They were teaching us this tool about recognizing things that were c- was coming against us. And we didn't really have any issues in our marriage at that point. And so I thought this would be a really good thing. Well, apart from this one.
2: <laughs> That's pretty good. Oh, yeah, that, that was good. That worked.
1: <laughs> um, I thought I would ask the group to stand with us as I um, brought this thing to Jesus. And I wanted to break agreement. For, I mean, go through the process. Well, Peter and Rosemary are going to model the process in a minute. Um, I was coming into agreement with this thing that the enemy was putting into my head, which was, you can't do this. You have no authority to speak. You're hopeless. And every thought that the enemy threw into my head, I was like, yeah, I am. I've got nothing to say. Why is make- Your husband's just pushing you. It's not fair. You shouldn't really be doing this job anyway. You, you've got nothing to give. And I agreed with every single thought, and I became aware that I was just agreeing with the enemy. Mm-hmm. And there's something in me that rose up, and like, I'm not doing that anymore. And so we prayed, and we went through the process that Peter and Rose are going to teach you in a minute. And I can honestly say that from that moment on, it was completely broken, completely broken. And now I get, I get a little bit stressed. Andrew's like, "Hallelujah, praise Jesus." <laughs> <laughs> I get a little bit stressed about speaking in public. That's okay. That's normal. It, it, there has been a fundamental shift, a fundamental change. I can honestly say that this tool really does work. And Andrew's like, so, so relieved, aren't you?
0: Praise the Lord, I tell you.
1: So, <laughs> so sometimes stuff comes
0: against us feelings, a thought, an emotion, a sense of a little niggle from the enemy. And, and I think the, the thing was discerning it and the yeah. whole blessing each other's spirit thing meant that we're more conscious of the daily. Uh, agenda of Jesus and the enemy's agenda to try and take us off track. And then we discerned it thinking this is a spiritual moment. He's trying to take us out in some space. And you recognize it. Mm. Peter and Rose, we talk us through the little steps to actually do that. Um. Okay. Thank, you.
2: Thank you. Brilliant.
3: Thank you. No, it's a powerful tool. Um, actually, what, we've, what I've done is I've, I've kind of, um, I have to say, I've slightly scribbled the tool up on the the board there so that you remember what you're doing when you're going to do it in a few minutes. Um, yeah, turn it around, yeah. So, when um, Peter's going to take me through this tool so you can see what we're doing. Um, so, I think it was earlier today someone came and said to us, um, Oh, I really need to have a word with you about dot dot dot. And um, I just thought, Oh, what have I done wrong? You know, I thought, Oh, is this really serious? What's, what's happening here? And uh, my mind, as Rosie said, you know, your mind can then go down this sort of spiral of, I must have been awful. You can you begin to internalise it. It's you. It's not the issue kind of thing, you know? And uh, that's not helpful. And so um, I haven't actually done the skidoo <laughs> the thing. It's a terrible word, but never mind. Um, I haven't done it yet, and so it's hot off the press. Okay. Um, so, Peter's going to take me through this.
2: So, the first step is we nail to the cross the thing that is setting you back. So, what are we going to call what's setting you back?
3: Setting me back is um,
2: fear uh, of the worst outcome, it sounded like.
3: I think that would be right, yeah, fear of the worst outcome.
2: Okay, here we go. Rosemary, uh, say after me, okay. I nail fear of the worst outcome to the cross.
3: I nail fear of the worst outcome to the cross.
2: Of course, you understand that could be anger, depression, a lot of different things. This is just the one we've done for today. Yeah? Where's the next page? Here we go. And I break all agreements I've made.
3: I break all agreements I've made.
2: With fear of the worst possible outcome. With fear of the
3: worst possible outcome. Uh,
2: Known or unknown.
3: Known or unknown.
2: And I repent of joining with.
3: And I repent. From joining with.
2: Fear of the worst possible outcome.
3: Fear of the worst possible outcome.
2: Next, I ask you, Father, to send.
3: I ask you, Father, to send.
2: Fear of the worst possible outcome.
3: Fear of the worst possible outcome.
2: Away from me.
3: Far away from me.
2: And, Father. And, Father. What do you give me in its place? What
3: do you want to give me in its place?
2: Which is important.
3: The Holy Spirit, I just ask that you show me what the Father's heart is. Yes,
2: Lord. What is it you want instead of this? Take this away.
3: I have a couple of things, just to to be reminded that he is a good good father.
2: Good good father.
3: Good good father. And um a little embarrassing. I just I just felt him saying that not to fear you are the apple of my eye. Which is a little embarrassing to see that, isn't it? In public. But um and I've written up here, it's not actually on the notes, but you know, when stuff it'll come back at you. Possibly. Not inte- not necessarily, as Rosie said. She dealt with it. But sometimes these come back, back at you. And so, you say, no, no, that's not, that's not right. That's not Father's heart for me. The exchange I got, that's what God is saying to me in these situations. That he's a good Father. That I'm the apple of his eye. Um, and I'm not to fear. And so when you speak that out, the other stuff just goes away. And that's why it's called skidoo, because it goes away. So what we'd like you to do is to ask the Holy Spirit. This course is all the Holy Spirit's doing, if you know what I mean. Um, so ask the Holy Spirit, between the two of you, uh, wh- what is coming against even one of you, so you can just practice this tool. And then using this as a sort of template, one take the other one through it. So you, it's it's a little... Um, what's the word? The. the way we do it, it's, it's like... Um, As you go through it more and more, you can slightly use your own words. Think of it
2: like stabilizers on a child's bike. There's no magic words. That's not the point. It's just to learn a process that will help us when we leave here.
3: Yeah. Um, So, Father God, I pray that you will now come and by your spirit, Lord, that you show uh, these couples, God, uh, something that they can actually deal with right here and right now using this tool. And, Father, that you will bring freedom And that you will give your perspective uh, on the issue. And Lord, that people may be set free right now. In Jesus' name, amen. So I think you've got about five minutes to do that.
0: And if you want some space, because you might be overheard, just move to the edge of the room, that's fine. Just this is a moment. Let the Holy Spirit just bring something into focus. Um, It might be a particular thing you've gone around a few times or something that's current, but just ask him. He'll show you.
2: Um, if you ha- you've got post-it notes, if you've written a question or two on your post-it note, could you stick, it- stick your hand up and we'll come round and get your post-it note now. And um, there's, there's more teaching to come, so you may have a question for that, but we're just trying to get best, best use of the question and response session to gather the post-its now. Okay. Thank you.
3: Okay, we, we really know that Andrew and Rosie are, are really good friends because they've asked us to talk a little bit on the sexual side of relationship, okay? <laughs> <True>. <laughs> right, let's move on. Yes. Uh, <coughs> Excellent. <laughs> yes, anyway. Uh, <clears throat> at the beginning of the workshop, Andrew and Rosé mentioned, you know, the LAM course covers the spiritual, emotional, and the physical, sexual aspects of our relationship. Um, the actual course starts with the spiritual connection, moves to the emotional connection and then finishes um, with a, a large dose if you like of the physical and sexual connection. Um, but each aspect uh, you know of our relationship interacts with the other one um, the good old vineyard saying we're not grapefruits, we're milkshakes, you know that one so everything mixes in uh, together so to speak. However, um, we've you know we've seen how uh The courses work uh and because of the order in which it's done um I really think it's the best order to do it because um the sexual part of a relationship becomes stronger and more whole um so Peter is actually going to talk to us about <laughs> it.
2: <laughs> they voted while I went to the loo I think just. um Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And then further down that passage, verse 21, I think. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with Flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. Um you might say just call oh, blimey there, that was his reaction. Sexual attraction and desire. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. And the point is repeated by Jesus in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 19, where he makes the point that uh, in marriage, the man and the woman, the two shall become one flesh. Okay. So I've really got four things to say briefly. Um, First of all, we see from Genesis 2 that sexual intercourse and nakedness are completely free from shame or embarrassment Um, within the context of marriage, as we understand it biblically. Sexuality is a symbol of the emotional and spiritual relationship within marriage, as Rosemary was saying. Uh, Nakedness symbolizes, I think, the uh, level of transparency and vulnerability and truthfulness that is suitable to marriage, more so than in any other relationship. We're expected to be honest in every relationship, aren't we? But um, we, we need to have greater depth of openness and trust in our communication with our spouse that exceeds that of any other relationship. In sexuality, the couple literally get inside of each other. This symbolizes the depth of the emotional and verbal intimacy within marriage sharing deep, heartfelt thoughts, not just the business of the day. So, um, sex is a beautiful God-created activity. God created it for his pleasure and for ours. I'll I'll touch on that again. Uh, He created it, he created sexual attraction uh, and sexual desire to be... uh, Exercise, if I can put it that way, in intimacy in our marriage relationships. That's what he did, and he loves it. God loves sex. Um, now, I don't. I want to say something about the "one flesh" uh, wording in the Bible. I don't know exactly what "one flesh" means, but it certainly includes the sexual union, as well as other things. Of course, it includes sexual union. The concept concept of two people, man and woman, becoming one flesh is not a picture of one inadequate person somehow cobbled together with another inadequate person in the hope that together they make one whole person. In other words, the concept of one flesh in relation to sexual intercourse is not addition. It's not A half plus a half equals one. The biblical concept is far rather, and well in keeping with the theme of our conference, multiplication. Namely, one times one equals one. One flesh. In other words, this is why God loves sex. Because God is always creating. He's always pumping out life, to put it bluntly. And he loves it when we enjoy intimacy in our marriage. He loves, he multiplies um, the, Rosemary's gifts into my gifts, uh, Rosie's into Andrew's, and in your marriage, you see, multiplies our gifts, our talents. He multiplies life in us. God is a multiplying God. And therefore, the concept of sexual intercourse is the pinnacle of um, the union between the man and the woman. Um, the pinnacle of God's multiplication and his joy in the relationship that they have together. Uh, the third thing I want to say is making physical love is an act of worship. Uh, God is in it. God is, the Holy Spirit is first to the party when we make love. And, and I want, I don't know if you're aware of this. But it is true, and I believe it to be true. Uh, Invite the Holy Spirit to join in to your sexual union together. Um, Now, you may think, oh, gosh, you know, on top of Skidoo and the other things, what's this about, Peter? Well, I think it's just the Bible. Um, Doesn't the Bible say that without the Holy Spirit, we can do nothing? (laughs) Do I need to say more? Um, Ask the Holy Spirit to bless our sex lives as we engage in that activity, man and wife, and let God express His love for you in your marriage. And finally, um, remember to be kind, not hurtful. Ephesians four thirty two I think applies to sexual intercourse. Uh, be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Spiritual, emotional, and physical aspects of humanity are connected. Your sexual attraction to one another and your sexual desire for one another uh, may be very strong as well, of course, as being God-given, as I've said. But past hurts or emotional blocks can cause problems. And um, in the Love After Marriage course, uh, there's much teaching on that and ministry in that area. Uh, So we are... uh, Really encouraging you to think and pray about doing that course if that's relevant for you. Um, just before I stop, I do I do want to tell you one sort of. When Rosemary and I do the Lamb course, we do have fun. I have to say, and um, when we did the one in May, um, this this little story was edited out, but I'm going to tell you it anyway. Uh, we did the one in May. We we, we got up and introduced, and once or twice during the course of the thing, we'd actually given people the wrong page number in the booklet by mistake. So we are having a bit of fun with all that stuff. Anyway, Rosemary got up in the last morning. It's the sex talk coming. Uh, and that's what I was expecting, anyway. And um, she got up to introduce everyone and uh, said, with that, i just hand over to Peter and just turn in your books to page 126. So I arrived up there to find that actually she'd turned... To the workbook, which uh, the heading for which was "Tip Tips for Older Men or Men Who Have Erectile Difficulty," <laughs> and uh, this—I have to say—this was not in the program. And so I, I sort of, but I'm telling you, things, things happen. So we do have a bit of fun, and the Holy Spirit doesn't let us get ahead of ourselves or get too serious or intense about ourselves. That happens. All right? In the meantime, to be serious, we encourage you all, if you are not already doing so, and this is a serious point, to make time for sex because nothing is so important in your marriage, in my opinion, as having a good sex life where possible. Rosemary. I
3: totally agree with all that. However, I think just few last thoughts. <laughs> few last thoughts. Um, it's very important. Um, however, the frequency, I think, of our intimacy together can depend on many things. And I think that's something that has to be worked out between couples um, and the Holy Spirit. There's an exercise which we won't do today. But invite the Holy Spirit into your conversation. Um, because, you know, there's a stage of life, health issues... Even people working apart from each other, you know, the geography thing. There's loads of different issues that can crop up. Um, So ask the Holy Spirit, how many times even? It may seem a bit kind of contrived, but if you've got really busy lives, one of the first things that can happen is we just, I don't know if it's forget or we're too tired or too busy, but our sex lives suffer. And so think about it, plan it, and work out how many times you're going to make love together. I think, even in a week or a month, do it That would be our <laughs> suggestion
0: Thank you guys. Bless you for doing that. That's awesome. So let me just give you a bit of a head up heads up on the um the Love After Marriage course. So basically, Love After Marriage is not some big group therapy moment where you sit in a room and you all say, oh, what are you struggling with? It's not that. It's a moment where you can get together. There are tables. There are chances to have about eight people on a table, ten people on a table. And you have as the freedom to share as much or as little as you want to. It's a great moment to invest in your future together. If you can't make a course you can get the book and that'd be super helpful um, just to mention that that's uh, it's coming up and you can know about it want to answer a couple of questions and then uh, one question that we've got here is I don't have a good understanding of the whole mind body spirit soul thing and the difference and and how they interact what can I read um well a couple of things I'd say is that when it says you've been made alive In the scriptures it talks very clearly we've been made alive with Christ. Well, what part of us came alive? I was already living, my body was here, my brain was here, my emotions were here. So we've been made alive to God in terms of um, coming from death to life is is a relational concept in the Bible. So when it says you've been made alive to God, our capacity to understand and know and enjoy God has been made alive. That part of us is our spirit coming alive to enjoy him. And uh, there's a possibility of us discerning from that sense of an alive place... What is going on in our emotional realm or our thoughts? And that part of us that is connected to God actually sometimes needs to take authority or lead the other things that are going on in our head, in our heart. So, for example, that's why David says, uh, why, my soul, are you downcast? So there's part of him going, hang on a minute, why are you emotionally so churned up right now, David? David. Therefore, I remember you. I will put my hope in God. And then we see this in the Psalms. He's often kind of almost like this. He's having this internal conversation. Why am I so churned up? Why am I downcast? What's going on with me? He's like discerning and recognizing there's this emotional churn or this like kind of turmoil that I'm living with. I'm not going to let that dictate the agenda. I'm going to put my hope in you, God. And there's this conversation that he has with his father. And then he comes into a place of usually breakthrough and victory. And that's a little bit of what's going on, that our emotional world or our thoughts can be quite churned up at different times. And part of what's going on there is discerning that actually God's given me the freedom to take authority and to discern what's going on and actually not let just my emotions set the agenda or my thoughts set the agenda. That kind of links to the second question.
1: No, this is fine. Uh, The person's asking what what can they read. There is a good chapter, I think, on that in the marriage course book. Um, But there are other books out there. I mean, there's... You might, you guys might know like, I'll specifically. I'll we'll have a think
0: and come back to that. So if that's yeah. you, come, we'll have a minute to think on that. Um,
1: somebody else has asked, you talk about breaking all agreements. Could you unpack this with whom is this agreement? What we're talking about is we, um, when we have thoughts or feelings come into our heads or our hearts, we can agree with those feelings and thoughts, or we can, like Paul says, take them captive. Not all thoughts and not all feelings that we think or feel are from God. Sometimes they're from the enemy. Oh yeah. So so I used to think that I would always be growing up through my my late teens, early twenties, into my thirties. I was quite anxious. I was quite an anxious person, um, and I suffered a bit with depression. And I thought I would always be anxious and depressed. That was a thought that the enemy was putting in my head. You're an anxious, depressed person, and it became a bit of an excuse. It became. The mantra, if you like, the thing that was always in my head—it was uh, any time anything happened, and I got anxious about it. Was well, you're just an anxious, depressed person. That is not the truth. That is not from God, and I had to deal with it. So, but by my thinking to myself, yes, well, you're just an anxious, depressed person. I'm agreeing with that thought and that feeling. So what we're doing is we're breaking agreement. We're, as like I said before, in Paul's words, taking captive every thought. And, uh, and bringing those thoughts and those feelings under the lordship of Christ. So that's what we're doing when when we're doing this um, tool. We're taking captive and breaking agreement with thoughts that are not from Je- from Jesus.
0: Now you heard um, John Macomber talk about that this morning a little bit, saying actually the journey of kind of embracing transformation and growth is coming to be that non-anxious presence. Mm-hmm where we cooperate with the work of the Spirit. Now listen, you might have had you know, anxiety or all those sorts of things, and it might be so much part of your story. Just hearing that is just planting a seed that actually it may not have to stay that way. Maybe there's a different way of responding to the work of Jesus. And over a period of months and maybe a couple of years, there might be a real shift there. Just let hope land in your heart. There could be something that's very familiar, very much part of your story, part of your family of origin, and God is just saying, hey, listen, it's not... It might be part of your family of origin, but it's not part of your family of adoption. There's something available for you in my family that you've not walked into yet, but I love you enough to try and get your attention. Part of taking captive to every thought or recognizing what's coming against us is to move into our full identity as love sons and daughters in his family and to live that way. And that's part of what this is trying to get at when it kind of uses that language, if that makes any sense. Uh, pause there. Any more questions? A couple more questions in the room? Go for it. Nice and loud for us, and I'll repeat it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good. What would you say there, babe?
1: Uh, I would yeah so when uh, the, the, final, the third step that Rosemary and Peter modelled um, when you ask God what he wants to say to you in place of, of the lies that you're believing or the thoughts or the, the feelings you hold on to that thing you hold on to that thing that, that the father's just said to you or Jesus has said to you whoever you tend to hear most um, and then when those thoughts come back oh well it's just because you're an anxious depressed person no I've broken agreement with that I'm not and the father said this to me So in Rosemary's case, you're the apple of my eye. You hold on to the truth. It is a fight. The enemy doesn't want to give us liberty just like that. We have to fight for it. We have to contend for it. And so for me, walking out of anxiety and depression was a a process. It took a, a while you
0: know. Can I share a couple of stories? And just mm. two things for me. Uh, there was one situation where uh, I was a pretty chill person, and then I had something kicked off in life, and I just felt some anxiety. Never felt it before. It's like, cracky. This is like I was waking up at night, heart feeling weird, thinking, "What? I'm losing the plot. What's going on?" And I got some chance <laughs> some to get some prayer. Some of us some
3: live prayer. in that place, darling. Well,
0: I got some got some <laughs> prayer. Uh, no, don't say that. Um, got some prayer, and actually, um, I just went through this process, and and just just in the stillness of saying, "What do you want to say to me?" I just had a, just a picture of just the father, just kind of scooping me up in his arms and and it was obviously just bible was going through my head and just like of course the bible says that but just spirit of god just made that alive to me in that moment and and i just said you know what, i'm going to choose to agree with that i'm not going to when i feel that stuff bubbling up i'm just going to say jesus uh, i know you love me father you're for me and just i sort of chose to center in that kind of truth i mean i could have just quoted the bible verses in my head but somehow because i'd had this little specific conversation with jesus it landed There was another season in our life when when just stuff was going on for us and and for Rosie when she was describing some of the stuff earlier. And I felt sometimes that um, just as we were trying to do life and marriage that... Uh, Rosie was a little bit out of reach for me. I was trying to love Rosie, but just because there was so much going on her head and her heart, I didn't feel like I was getting through. And I thought, you know what? I'm not sure if I've never really blessed my wife in the way that I want to. Just enter her world and love her. And I just started to believe she's a bit unknowable. You know, she's a bit teflon-coated. I can't really get through and love her in the way that I want to. And I just sort of came into a place of hopelessness and despair at some point. And I thought... Just not God's heart either, and we had a conversation about it. Got some prayer, and it just—I just thought I'm not going to come into agreement with a lie that like there's despair and hopelessness between the space between us. And so, so the the shift was recognizing there's something that's here in the ecosystem of our relationship that doesn't necessarily reflect Jesus right now. I'm not going to take that as the way it's going to be. Going to recognize it and say, Jesus, what do you want to say? And when he puts something in your heart, either the truth of the scripture just comes alive or he speaks something in, I'm going to just work with that. I'm going to just think about that and pray on that and just live from that place so it's functioning from the truth, really, what God's saying. So that's been our process. Does that help a bit? Thank you, my friend. Go for it. Quick, Quick question. Last one. Okay. I think that's a great question. The question is basically how do you just not take this oh uh, you could do with no that's to the cross, couldn't you? <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> um would be a great idea. Um uh, or, so.
1: or or th- I think um we're talking about you know at night i j- i bless you not to be negative
0: to be more thoughtful and cook the meal and, yeah. and <laughs> kind of do you know and get me flowers and go <laughs> and by yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a great one well that's a really good what would you say to that darling I think it's, it's owning a thing, isn't it? It's like, it's actually, uh, there, there's a, there is a way to, you can, you can find yourself strange in a space where you're blessing, but you're being, you're preaching with your eyes shut, basically. You're just, you're trying to control the other person. Actually, are you, are you doing this process for you? Because that's what, I mean, you can only be responsible for your growth. You can't grow your partner, can you? You can only grow you. So am I going to take my journey with Jesus seriously? And am I going to just own my stuff? And actually, to say the only thing I can do is try and love and bless my wife. That's what I'm going to do. I can't. if I try and control it's just going to cause resentment that's weird, it doesn't work anyway so let's try something different so let's just really own the thing that I'm going to try and really lean into what is Jesus saying to me uh, so I can follow him with all my heart and strength and actually just lean into being a good husband that loves my wife that's
1: but also if you think that's going to be a, um, a tendency then bring it out into the open and yeah. say do you know what, I feel like when I do this thing I could be tempted to to start to preach at you I'm really sorry, it's not my heart if I do just call me, call me on it yeah. You know, say, oh, darling, I think you're getting into preaching territory. <laughs> and then I'll, because, because actually sometimes it's just about verbalizing it, isn't it? And saying, actually, my heart is to bless my husband. Yeah. My heart is that before we go to bed, he will feel blessed. And we will be more one than yeah. we were, you know, an hour ago. Hmm. And so just to bring that into the open and say, you know, call me if I do.
0: Good stuff. We're out of <coughs> time. Guys, thank you for being with us this afternoon. Hope it's been helpful. We're around if you want to catch us. God bless you. Have a great rest of the conference.